Welcome to Food on the Move, Movers and Shakers podcast, a podcast that highlights our passion for making an impact in our communities on issues surrounding food and security. It's all about the reason we, as an organization, do what we do, and the many incredible people using their time and talent to challenge the status quo in order to make the world better than they found it. We call them Movers and Shakers. Welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. I am one of your co-hosts from all the hometown heat. I'm Taylor Hanson. I'm Kevin Harper. And I am Danielle Stoltz. Yes, and happy holidays to everybody. You guys feeling good? Ho, 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 man. Yeah. We can we, officially say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a nice, cool temperature outside. It yes. doesn't feel like it. It's already December. I think it should be March, but hey, <laughs> time yes. flies, right? We're, we're here when we're doing it. Yes, and it is a great season. We have put in so much work uh, during the month of November and uh, served so many families, and it's just a great season. Oh, I think November was an amazing month. Yeah. Just what we got to do and and seeing the need it really breaks your heart but because mm-hmm. inflation and everything going on but just in a single event where we partnered with the Dream Center and, and 30 other organizations serving 600 families at yeah. one event was just amazing. And being able to provide a ham or a turkey for Thanksgiving, uh, that was life-changing. I mean, it touched me and... And we do this all the time, but to it was see amazing. how many people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool. We're about to do it again in yeah. two more weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not to mention our TCC and Greenwood were both very successful. And shout out, we had a local farmer who raises hogs and actually butchered an entire hog for us to give out at Greenwood. So, you know, we were able to take 150 pounds of, of pork, uh, organically grown pork. Yes. Uh, and that was really awesome, too. That's very cool. Also, yeah. last month, we shared a big project, which connects us to our special guest for this, this episode, Paula Marshall the Food Home Project, which people can find out about this. Uh, we've been working towards it for a long time. Um, it, it's it's something that we're really just over-the-top excited to share with the world because it's really about building on what we've learned since we began, how to really change local food systems, and such a great moment mm-hmm. to have our guest this, this uh, episode because she's so connected to this great project. Oh, she was essential to just the launch of, of making it happen and yep. taking your vision and, and her passion. Uh, really exciting to see November 29th was a great day for Food Move. It was monumental to Absolutely. get to unfold and just reveal this project that we've all been aware of and working towards <laughs> and knowing that what's going to happen there has been happening all over Tulsa so far. Now, yeah. uh, I guess Food on the Move is going to have a home and we're excited about that. That's right. Bring so your food home. You can learn all about that at foodonthemoveok.com. Yes, and make sure you follow us on our social media platforms at Food on the Move as well. Yeah, and you can always see the Hometown Heat do some really cool Facebook Lives, so don't forget to do <laughs> exactly. that. That's right. And, and then another monumental thing is we actually have Taylor in studio, uh, you know, back from being the world traveler. <laughs> Man, so that's kind of nice. over the world. Yeah, my, uh, my arms are tired from all that flying. No, um, but we yeah have been all over the world and it's super excited. Great feeling to be at the end of this year with so many projects and so many things that are that we're finally sharing, like the food home. And I think we need to set up our guest now. Tell people a oh, little absolutely. bit about who I mean, we're about to have this great conversation with. What an amazing lady that we're going to talk to in just a moment. Third generation uh, owner. Uh, I mean, she really made some major changes in Tulsa that I think a lot of people aren't even aware of. And yeah. in the eighties, beginning to be positioned to be the CEO of a company then taking that company and making it global. I mean, yep. that's just one of the many attributes that Paula has done over the yep. years. It's been a crazy uh, to see happen. And Taylor, you could probably speak in just some personal aspects that you have because Paula has been a very big part of helping your vision come to life. 
Yeah, so we have a great conversation. We're about to kick off, but, you know, Bama Companies is a worldwide corporation that started with bacon pies and is based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of Oklahoma's biggest employers, one of Tulsa's biggest employers, and has been led for now a couple decades by an incredible woman that not only believes in great business, but doing business by having an incredible culture. And she's, yeah, huge, huge inspiration to me personally and somebody that has understood what we're all trying to do with mm-hmm. taking on food insecurity. But I think what's so cool about her being here is she's a leader in our community, but is actually working at a global level. But when it all comes back to it, she's really focused on the daily things you can do to make an impact. And, and I think that's why she's been so successful. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, without further ado, I, I, I say we, uh, we start this awesome conversation. All right, so we would like to welcome our guest, Miss Paula Marshall. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. Excited hey, to talk to you, Paula. Hey, thank you, guys. Yes. Okay, so Paula, you are a Tulsa girl, correct? You yes. born and raised here. So tell us what it was like growing up. Did you always know that you were going to be a part of Bama Companies, or what, what were your aspirations growing up as a little girl? Well, being a, a, a daughter, the only daughter of a very, you know, strong man who believed that men need to run the world, uh, I was never encouraged to be in the role I'm in right now. So I just, I always like to tell, uh, you know, young girls that might be listening to me that, you know, never say never, right? So as I was growing up through through high school, I did the typical, you know, the cheerleader, the this, the play a lot of sports. And uh, my aspirational goals, I, I was not a math whiz by any stretch of the imagination, barely passed uh, math, but I was a language person. So I loved the base of language. I loved Latin. I loved all these things. So what I really thought I was going to do when I left school was go to France uh, and study there. And then I was going to go be an interpreter at the United Nations. So that was my (laughs) aspiration in high school and the beginning of college. And I, uh, God had a little plan for me in, uh, in that I met a boy and, you know, long story short, uh, had a baby, had to drop out of school, and I made that choice. You know, a lot of people uh, look at me and say, oh, my God, you know, what were you doing? And I said, you know, it didn't, never even entered my mind not to have my child, you know, when I realized I was pregnant. And the dad, of course, wanted nothing to do with me. But, you know, I decided that I was going to do this, and so I moved back home. My mom was never really happy about it, but my dad was ecstatic (laughs) because, uh, you know, he had one more worker, you know, one more person to come in and do some work. And uh, so I lived with my parents for a little while, and then I was able to get, get my own house and, you know, eventually got got uh, married and had a couple more kids. And um, as I was, you know, thrust into that, um, wow, that realization that I'm not going to go to college and I'm not going to have a traditional path through school. I never gave up my dream of having a college degree and and getting an education, but I realized I was going to do it differently because I had chosen a different path. So 
the career path then became going to work every day and making a living wage and, you know, taking care of the kid and meeting someone and getting married and, and having more kids was more of a, you know, kind of a traditional path for a female. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my my father always described it as you're going to work in the office. You know, you're going to, to me today, that's like you're going to be in administration. And again, still, he never really saw me as anyone who could be more than just how my mom was. My mom was the backbone of the of the family because she took care of the money. And if she said we can do something, we did it. If she said we didn't, and I wasn't that financial brain like she had. I was more circular in my thinking like my dad was. So I started enjoying things like working in the plant, learning about baking, learning about the science of how the food works and how it comes together. You know, and he used to call me Bama too, which was my grandmother who we all looked up to because she was the founder of the company of Bama. And uh, she was the cook. She was the person who made the delicious products. And so we all looked up to her. So I felt like, well, that's a great compliment. But even then, never saw myself because my dad patted it down, never saw myself. And she's the founder of the company, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. But never saw myself in that same role. Um, It just was kind of ingrained there. So, lo and behold, another circumstance occurred in that um, my oldest brother and my father had heart attacks within three or four months of each other. My dad was 60. My brother was 38. So, both of them were thrown into the hospital and in the 85 to 89, 90 range of time, Heart attacks used to be like a month of hospitalization. Mm. It was not like it is now where they do a cath and you're out walking around the next day. They put these guys in the hospital. They had all kinds of tubes coming out of them. They eventually were going to do open heart surgery. So let's say here's family drama over here. And in the meantime... You know, we deal with McDonald's Corporation, and at that time, a huge part of our business still is today. And they were not exactly on the inside of all the communication that was going on. And my mom, my dad, my mom and dad had a plan. It's like, let's not say anything just yet. Well, they kind of knew something was going on, and so they started calling. And in the beginning, my mom, you know, was like, well, he's still too sick. You know, can't really see you, blah, blah. And they, you know, as customers should do when you're a big part of their business, they're asking, you know, what's the plan? What's going on down there? You know, we've heard Paul's very ill, blah, blah, blah. What are you all planning on doing, talking to my mom? And so like any great organization like they are, they began to send some signals that this situation was not okay and that they needed a plan for the business and they wanted to know what my mom and I were going to do. And uh, we were sitting around in the hospital trying not to worry my father because we know that stress is a lot of what brings on heart attacks. And uh, we're like, Dad, we need a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) we need to tell him something. And I was not... uh, privy to his actual thoughts until much later. And my mom is actually the one that broke it to me and said, well, your dad wants you to do this. So, you know, this is like we've been talking and we think this is a great time in, you know, 1990 for a woman to, you know, step up to the plate. And I'm like, really, mom? Like, how did dad change all of a (laughs) sudden? Like, what what happened? Wow. And, uh, you know, they had two choices, really. The choices were that they could take the offer that one of these people that McDonald's was sending in to buy the company. They could take the offer or 
they could appoint me <laughs> because wow. uh, my other brother, unfortunately, was uh, not interested, didn't want to, and he and my dad never really got along very well, so my dad wasn't really a big fan of that. And uh, one thing I can say, I had a great relationship with both my mom and my dad because I always viewed my job at Bama was just to do what they said. I mean, they were the bosses, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. you don't... You don't argue with your boss for, you know, five or six or seven years and expect to get ahead. Right. And my brothers didn't quite ever get that factor. So they uh, they didn't get the nod. Well, you know, one of them didn't really want it. The other one wasn't physically capable of doing it. So, you know, we, we uh, had this kind of last-minute discussion before the McDonald's guys actually came in. So dad went home sometime, this happens like in November, he went home sometime late January, like he was in the hospital that long. And um, they came in to have a meeting with him, and they went to the house because he still wasn't working at that point. And uh, we were all sitting around in my parents' living room, and, and my dad comes in in his pajamas and all this <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, the McDonald's guys are sitting there like, okay, Paul, we want to check in and see what, you know, what your decisions are. Are you going to, you know, which company are you going to pick? How's the sale going to go, blah, blah, blah. And he just put his hand up in the air and said, uh have a different plan. And they were like, what's that? And he's like, well, Paul is going to become the general manager of the business, and then she's going to ultimately take it over. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had this discussion as a family, and this is what we're going to do. And it went <laughs> real quiet, <laughs> wow. real quiet in the living room. And uh, so they were like, wow, I guess we're going to have to take away some thought processes on this. And, uh, Okay, Paul, we'll get back to you. And as he was standing up and they were leaving, he shook all their hands and he said, listen, guys, I, I really love McDonald's. We want to keep doing this. Uh, Paul is really enthusiastic and has the educational background because I'd gone to school and gotten my bachelor's by that time and I was in, in school to get a master's. So he was like, you know, she's perfect. And um, they just kind of had this bewildered look on their face and he shook their hands and said, you know, I was eating three squares before you guys came, and I'm sure I will be after you guys go. So whatever you decide, wow. good by me. Mm, wow. <laughs> so when they left, we didn't know if we had a customer or not. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, at that at that particular time, I didn't know if I was going to be winding down the company or, you know, if they were going to pull the pie business or what was going to happen. And so about a week went by. We didn't hear anything. And then one day I got a phone call from the vice president of McDonald's Supply Chain. And he was a younger guy. He, uh, he said, um, you know, Paula, I've been researching this, this uh, woman-owned business thing. And he said, uh, you know, we know the problem there. We know your dad's sick. And we know your dad's desires is to put you in charge. And he said, now here's what we're going to have to do for that to happen. I said, Okay. He said, uh, we need you to get certified as a woman-owned business. And I said, okay. And he said, that'll work out real well. That'll help us, you know, with our affirmative action. It'll help us with our shareholders and our board. And you'll be the first woman to get certified in the McDonald's supply system. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. So uh, what do what I need to do? What does that even mean? Woman well, so he said, uh, here's, the, here's the people I want you to call. So there's a, a minority business development in almost every city and across the country and Tulsa didn't have one, of course. So they were, they Oklahoma were going, we're going to check off a box. Needed to check off a box. Yeah. Wow. 
But wait yes. till you hear what happened next. So when I get a hold of the woman is who happened to be in Houston, um, and they still are the ones who certify our business today as woman-owned business, there's two things that have to happen. One, you have to sign all the checks, and two, you have to own 51% of the shares. And so right. I'm like, ruh row. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, different. Hey, Mom. <laughs> Guess so, what? There's this something in order to keep our small... number one customer. <laughs> there's a small little problem here. And I'm looking at my dad, and he's like, yeah, what's that? I said, uh, well, I'm going to have to control the shares of the company. And, um, you know, Mom, I'm going to have to, like, write the checks. I mean, it's not like you're not going to be able to sit and see over everything. But, you know, I have to show that I'm in control of the company for them to certify us. So they looked at each other for a minute. And Dad's like, oh. and I said, Dad, it has to be your shares because it can be me and Mom, but it can't be you. He's like, oh, you're kidding. i got to do this? Oh, my God. He goes, well, so I'm going to put the rest of my life, you know, in your, in hands. your hands, in your mother's hands, and uh, I'll do it. This, this was a big paradigm shift for him, I'm oh, sure. Oh, can you I imagine? Mean, mm. Well, This just, is like, just, I mean, he, the poor guy, he didn't know what to do. Like another heart attack coming on, yeah. right? <laughs> well, <laughs> just, the feeling, just the feeling of, of being in a role of leadership and managing a business and having, I'm sure, his, his involvement <laughs> exactly. and his perspective was different than your mom's. They were playing different roles. So just the feeling of being seeing your health go um, and just... Change. Just a terrible Change time hard period, for right? a guy who was very vibrant, could yeah. do anything he wanted, play golf, you know, flew to Japan, set up a pie line in Japan, you know, no problem. <laughs> yeah, go to yeah. Australia, go to, you know, South Africa, but no the problem. history, though, you do have that family history where it's been passed down. Yes. So there must have been some pride, too, that he did oh, have a family Taylor. member. It's... Right? Cause, yeah. Because that... Obviously, it's scary. You know, as a woman, you had a whole set of, new set of challenges and losing control like he was feeling. But also, like, he knew he was keeping it in the family. That was his most important thing. Yeah. I mean, when, the, when, the, when everything sort of got laid on the table, I think my dad's overarching concern was if I sell the company outside, they might give Paula a job for a couple of years, but then it's going to be over. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone will have money, but, you know, his his love was manufacturing and mm -hmm. his love was bakery. And he said, you know, what will everyone do with just money just sitting there? And, you know, I honestly was like him. I didn't want, I was like, no, dad, we can't do that. You yeah. know, we'll all just sit around and become jello. You know, it's like not, <laughs> that's not feasible. I, little did I know then we could have given it all to food on the move time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that would have been a, a lot, of, that lot of big projects, yeah. That that came how old were you at this time? 27. 27. That is just, that's <laughs> Gosh, monumental. That's, yeah. I mean, wow. you're, you're breaking all kinds of barriers <laughs> oh, at this yeah. point. I mean, exactly. you're really trailblazing <laughs> and, and changing some things in Tulsa, I bet, as people look back, all the things that are different. Um, and you did a lot of trailblazing. That's huge. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, you know, the first thing I had to do uh, day one was to establish within the company that I didn't know everything. I probably mm -hmm. didn't know anything. That was my my must. I think one of my best God-given abilities is to be humble and to admit when I don't know something. So mm -hmm. I don't come into things with a huge ego. I'm always willing to learn. 
because I think the learning process is what keeps us young and right. vibrant and growing and experimenting and research and development and all that kinds of stuff. And I was always so interested in languages, but also other cultures and how other people think about mm-hmm. things and how, you know, things operate in, in whether it's Poland or, or China, uh, you know. And I've been able through this relationship with McDonald's to do all of that, to explore all of that, to go and mm. learn how people really live and how mm. business gets done. And then, you know, you do business yeah. through people. So I've learned a lot about the cultures of, of people around the world. And the first thing I had to do with Tulsa was establish that I was not the authoritarian figure and that I didn't know anything. So let's get that. I brought all the management <laughs> group in and I said, okay, let's side. get that off the, off the table right off the bat. So I need all of you guys. I need you to right. be here. I need you to tell me what you right. think and I'm going to use all your ideas and we're going to do this thing together and you know people's jaws <laughs> drop on the ground and they go what <laughs> you know we're used to going in and your dad right. telling us what to do kind of you know so there's another thing right. Taylor that was like really a shock so you think about the family shock going on you think about my dad's shock my mom was always real confident that we were girl yeah. girl power you know <laughs> but the the company people I mean, these were people yeah. who had worked for wow. my father for 20-plus years wow. and were used to him coming in and telling them what to do. <laughs> that was his style. That was yeah, his, that was his style. style. That's was... how he did it. You know, he, he did everything himself from his own history and his own background. And so I just had to establish that day one. So here's the amazing thing about Tulsa. So right away, it starts getting out, you know, that that there's a woman in charge over at Bama. The newspaper calls me. They come in to do this big article. And I remember at the time, they were hiring a superintendent of Tulsa Public Schools. And for some reason, they asked me if I'd get on the committee and help them. And so I, I was doing that. And I remember the person who was being interviewed was talking about participative management and his Mm. style was participative management. And I I started thinking about that. And so when I went back to Bama the next afternoon, I said, you know, guys, I think what I'm doing is called participative management. Mm. (laughs) I said, I really think there's a name for this thing. And they were all like, wow, that's so cool. We didn't know, you know. What a concept. So I'm kind of obsessed with your story because you changed the mindset of your family. You changed the mindset of the company, even... It sounds like you changed the mindset of really the city of Tulsa. How did you have to change your own mindset? Because you weren't ever thinking, I'm going to be the CEO of this company. How did you change your mindset? (laughs) And how did you, you know, really step into that role and confidence? Well, I want to say just, I just got it right away. But I want to tell you that it was just constant fear raining down inside my head on myself. Mm -hmm. And it was very painful, you know, for the first, uh, you know, you're 27 years old and your parents are telling you that the whole company rests on your shoulders and, you know, you can't. No, no, no. (laughs) not third generation pressure, you know, where the third generation is always the kid that kills it, you know. And you had a young family still. You you still were playing the role of being a mom in the midst of that with fairly young children. Yes. I had a great nanny support system uh, and was going through a divorce, too, oh after about 12 years, Taylor. Wow. So, <laughs> my goodness. It was, uh, I would say, just blind fear, unfortunately. I wish it hadn't been like that. But, you know, that's probably one of the things that led to my divorce was, you know, was the blind fear. Mm-hmm. 
and um, spending too much time at work and too much time running around, you know, trying to prove to everybody that I was not going to be the kid that killed the business. And uh, that's where all my worth came from. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't have to sit down and deal with that until much, you know, many years ago, like, Let's say we knew Bama was on a great track. We'd build all these plants in China. We were building plants in Europe, and we sort of had done a lot of the things that we had wanted to do. And um, I just sort of, you know, had a little kind of a, <laughs> a little spiritual breakdown. And it's something that I think everyone goes through eventually. You know, you can't run on the fear. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't. And so I uh, worked with a lot of spiritual healers, uh, you know, went to an ashram in India, went to a four-day silent retreat, went to, you know, I just did yeah. the spiritual journey thing. Eat, pray, love, if you ever read that <laughs> <Yeah>. book. <laughs> I'd love for you to you know, tell our listeners what you have as a mission statement, for one, and why that is so important. Because I think this is really critical because we, we've seen this amazing journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners know, hey, what is your mission statement for Bama, and why is it that way? Right. And why don't you have, you don't have employees. And, no. and I know not, that's a, that's a, that's a word you don't use at Bama. No, you do so not I, I use that would love that for you word. To, I would love for you to, to speak into that real quick, because I think this is a really important story. Yeah, well, our mission at Bama is people helping people be successful through caring and accountability. And that's come over, you know, the, the first six months I was in charge, I commissioned our whole group of people. And I said, what do you think this company's about? What are we, you know, what are we doing here and all that? And through months and months of, you know, having a big statement and then working some of the words out and taking some of the words out and getting it to the place where we felt like people could uh, manifest it in their minds by me- memorizing it. And then it would come to them, you know, easily and freely. And then it would start to flow, you know, throughout the company. Big mission statements don't work. If people can't memorize them and they're just hanging on the wall collecting dust, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. So you gotta you gotta have something catchy that people can can remember, and then they can act on it. So um, I teach a personal mission class now too, mm-hmm. and my personal mission is to love and honor every soul every second. So when I can do that, I feel purposeful and free and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what the whole point of the mission statement is, Kevin. So everyone can memorize it and everyone can act on it every single minute of every single day. We're actually going to go into talking about our project with the food home. So we'll be right back. A big thank you to Webco, North America's foremost provider of innovative tubing solutions, for sponsoring the Movers and Shakers podcast. Since 1994, Webco has provided high-quality carbon steel, stainless steel, and other metal specialty tubing products designed to industry and customer specifications with five production facilities in Oklahoma and Pennsylvania, and eight value-added facilities in Oklahoma, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Texas, serving customers globally. Webco has been such an incredible supporter of Food on the Move and 100% committed to building a trusted company for their teammates, customers, business partners, investors, and community. Learn more about strength, agility, and innovation of Webco at www.webcotube.com. Welcome back to the Movers and Shakers podcast. We are here with the phenomenal Miss Paula Marshall. So happy to have you here. Thank so you, we Taylor. we could talk for hours and hours. Um, this is the part of the segment where we get to connect the dots between your amazing culture and story, which I know there's so many people, so many young women that are going to take so much from your story. Um, but we get to connect to food, and we get to connect our our shared stories here. 
So Food on the Move began with really a question of how do we face food insecurity? Like, what's it going to be? Everybody that's listened, especially if you haven't heard the first episode, go back and listen to the story of Ambassador Perkins inspiring me and and those close to me to really say, how could we live up to that ambassadorship? And Mm -hmm. you mentioned how you wanted to connect and build bridges as an interpreter with the UN. So I think there's a connectivity there. But, you know, about two years in, this light bulb went off for me, which was all the learning and all the events and the pop-up events, what it pointed to was we can't expect any of the functions that exist now to solve the problem that they're a part of, mm-hmm. right? So we really need we need to be looking at the whole system because we realized if you want a grocery store to succeed, the problem is the good stuff is traveling thousands of miles. You know what? If we want local farmers to succeed, wow, the local farmers aren't connected. And so there was this project called Food Home that began to emerge. And... Um, I got a call from uh, from Kim, who's one of your amazing uh, leaders in the mm-hmm. team, and uh, she heard that there was rumors or conversations about a project or an idea uh, that was connected to growing food, and she wanted to meet because Bama also was considering doing something in the agriculture space, mm-hmm. and I was very excited because I knew your reputation of being a doer, and when we first sat down. Um, I heard from Kim that you had a conviction to really create uh, access for your team mm-hmm. with fresh produce. And you were looking at, hey, we have a lot of families that work in North Tulsa. And she said, we want to, you know, with a lot of conviction. Paula wants a garden. She wants to grow. She wants the team to have fresh produce because there's not, you know, not local produce and there's not grocery stores succeeding. And I remember looking at her and saying, I think I have a project you might be interested in. <laughs> yes. um, but the food home really blew me away right out of the gate. You know, I asked her the question of, well, how big do you want to impact? You know, is this about your team or is this about really doing something that might ripple far beyond? And I could see in her eyes that she <laughs> she had a she had a perspective that was, I know now was informed by you and everything you've described, which is, of course, we want to do the most, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, the idea that, that I began to share with her was was big or whatever, but it wasn't daunting because I could see that in, in her sort of culture coming out of Bama was, she knew she was going to pick up the phone and talk to, to you and say, if she said, go big, you would, you'd want to go big. You'd mm-hmm. want to make the most impact. You'd want to be, you'd want to be a part of not just something that was speaking to the, the core, I have to do this, but what the potential could be. Because mm-hmm. you've, you've done that with the team. Mm-hmm. So um, um, Food on the Move had this idea, and we asked uh, you to come to TCC and visit, and I basically unfolded the, the simple concept of, um, if we're going to take on food insecurity, we need a, we need a home. Mm-hmm. And this food home needs to focus on not only growing produce, but having a model for a grocery store and having a distribution hub between farmers because our whole system across our nation and in our state over the last 50 years since really post-World War II has been broken. The small farmers are not getting to the grocery stores. Right. So we've got to rebuild this whole thing. And I don't know if you remember this fact, but when we first sat down to meet, uh, I brought in some apples and... The apples were there because they were ones that had traveled from California. Mm-hmm. And the thought was, we need to bring these closer to our home. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, 
what was your perspective with what you guys, you knew needed to happen for your team and why the idea of us working together on this project made sense? Because you were already on a mission. You knew fresh produce needed to be there for your team. Yeah. Well, the I, I give credit to the National Restaurant Association, um, also called the NRA, um, but it's the National <laughs> Restaurant Association. <laughs> and I'd gone to a conference the year before in Chicago where they, they have a huge gathering every spring of... Of all the restaurant entrepreneurs, the, anybody with one restaurant up to McDonald's participating, they put a show floor together. They put people on the floor. And then they also have breakout groups where people can come and listen to, you know, people talk about how to solve a certain problem with flour or how to how to work with a different ingredients. Like, you know, when you talk about gluten-free, you need to use chickpea flour. And my scientists will go up there and, you know, they'll sit through a seminar on chickpea flour and the attributes right. and how to, you know, how to use it in a gluten-free product. And um, I happened to uh, attend with another one of the people I was with up there. And I said, oh, I see this thing about community gardens. I'm going to go, I'm going to go sit in that. And it was uh, Elon Musk. Uh, brother, I think mm-hmm. it was, from L.A., and they introduced him, and I was fascinated with the whole Elon Musk thing, and he was doing rockets at that time, too, and he was building Teslas, and people were just starting to buy them, and I, I thought, well, this this ought to be interesting. You know, this guy's probably, you know, on the moon, but what he was talking about was going into elementary schools in L.A. and building these gardens and teaching the children how to do that. And I was so captivated by, number one, the fact that, you know, I'm running a food business. And number two, my folks that work for me have no idea about any of this. I mean, mostly people, you know, I've had guys, it says on the recipe to put the bag of flour in the mixer and they put the whole bag paper and all, you know, in the mixer. (laughs) Wow. And so this is how, you know, our education system... (laughs) is failing us as well because they don't know anything about not, not, you know, manufacturing food safety, any kind of processes, any kind of anything. But the biggest problem for me was they don't even know how the food gets to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So... I determined, I left there and I was calling all the all the folks, you know, and I said, I want to put in a community garden. And he was like, what's that? This was Isaac. <laughs> and Isaac's like, what's that? I said, well, you know, let's go research it. So we started doing research. And I put together a whole plot of land outside of one of my facilities um, yeah. at, at North Lewis there and Apache. And it was like, my plant managers looked at because we were, you know, like getting ready to bring mm-hmm. in all the bulldozers and starting this. That I literally have a panic breakdown yeah. meeting. These guys come rushing in. They're like, no. Like they're standing in front of the bulldozers that are getting ready to start tearing up the ground. This is about, you know, like a stone's throw away from the plant. Right. And I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? What, what, what's wrong with you guys? We're putting in the garden. What's, you know, this is going to be great. Everybody can come out and work and grow the vegetables. It'll all be great. They'll learn something. And they're like, do you realize what comes with gardens? And I'm like, no. They're like, pests. Bugs. Oh. Yeah. And I said, oh, pests, like bugs, yeah, and other things, uh, you know, like little mice and, you know, other kinds of things right. that come in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're 100 yards away, and, you know, all that stuff's going to come over here. And we already have enough trouble keeping these things out of the building, so you're going to come in here with this big plot of land and put a whole bunch more in the in, right in the building. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. I never even thought of it, right, Taylor. Right. I was like, oh, no. So... Isaac was moving out. He gave me a a folder with 
a project that we could do with the Y, which was going to cost $400,000. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good either. So we could have partnered with them and put the garden basically right, at that right, time right. on their land, which was in North Tulsa, which is not exactly what I was hoping for. But it was like, well, I guess it's better than nothing, you yeah. know, because none of my plant managers want it anywhere near them. <laughs> so now that I know that, you know, we're going to have to go out on a different spin. Right. And um, before we could actually start talking to even the why, Kim had made contact with you yeah. and also with you too, mm-hmm. Kevin. And so she said, you know, we need to meet this Taylor Hanson. And I said, are you talking about Taylor Hanson? Like Taylor Hanson Hanson? Like Hanson Brothers? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And I said, oh my God. I said, what's he doing with Community Garden? She's like, you just got to hear this. So that's when we came out and met with you yeah. at TCC. And you even at that time had the vision of the food home. But converting a building. What yeah. we didn't realize was it sounded so simple and so smart, Taylor. <laughs> no, it still bugs me so much. Um, we just lost the simplicity of it. Well, well, and again, know that, you know, this, we go on and on, but here we are in this conversation and I think it's worth saying it. You know, the simplicity and for people that are thinking about making changes, just to not be daunted. And we yes. can only talk about like one chapter and spend two hours talking about one tiny chapter. Absolutely. But this, this could be simple, which goes back to who we've tried to be with Food on the Move, also presented kind of a test of us. Right. Like, how can can we continue to keep this going? So this, this could be simple. Started with Food on the Move's mission was pop-up events, right? We, yep. Our whole culture is these pop-up events. That's how you do in it. In kind, people mm-hmm. come together. What can you bring? What can you bring? What can you bring? That's the foundation of who we are. Right. And here we were coming to the Horticulture Center at the TCC, the Tulsa Community College building. And... The program shut down because it wasn't And a getting, building they weren't using. It, and the program mm-hmm. shut down, so it was empty. And so the first aha with Food Home was we're working with farmers. We're working with community. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. We're going to have to work on the whole system. They had classrooms there. They had a greenhouse. Yeah. I remember us and taking could we the just tour. Convert I'll never this. forget it. Could we just take this building? And it's already got a greenhouse. There. Everything wow. was already there. Inside was already there. And, and oh. I, I want to be careful to not demonize the TCC because ultimately they come no, inside. they've been our best they've buds. They've been amazing. But in that moment, we suddenly faced the red tape wrapped around what goes with an institution, what goes with who has needs and who doesn't have needs, where the budget is. And what we thought was this, hey, look, let this team come together, put together a scalable project at a site, take, give us a, you know, kind of let us just take the cost of it and let's transform this building into something running and functioning. That was not meant to be. No. But the, the, the thing about that, and, you know, we could get caught up on all the stories between there was... But it's the fact so that fun. it wasn't meant to be the <laughs> fact that it wasn't meant to be actually helped to to really clarify that that building and that site, even though it's still sitting empty, it wasn't big enough for what we're ultimately it really able to wasn't. Do. And and that's where great you know, starting point. Where, but we would have had to move anyway, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we would have gone. You know what? This footprint is so this project is so significant that that wasn't supposed to be right. where we were. So we. Um, we brought together conversations with, uh, you know, with leadership, with your help, and we were able to ultimately paint the picture for how how could this project that is really about bringing people to creating an engine that's an, a right. magnet. Um, well, there was several w- points in there too, Taylor, that you and I were on speed dial and with Kevin ultimately that 
if we had been people who who were stoppers, who mm-hmm. people would just give up if someone threw up a sign or, you know, a red light somewhere. Because then not only did we have that, then we had the next plot of land that became a, a, yep. a concern for the folks in North Tulsa and wasn't to be yep. because they decided they didn't want it there. And uh, we couldn't fight City Hall, so to speak. And so for us to keep going and with... Tulsa Community College, because we had never let go of that base, they said, well, why don't you take this land that's over here just on the other side, which is out of that district Mm -hmm. and which everybody wants you to be in and is welcoming the growth there and is welcoming the the food home to be there. And that's where we are. That's where we are today. Which is a much better location. It's really actually way better because it's on the main thoroughfare and you don't have to get off anywhere except just go down that driveway. And it's expandable. You know, there's still uh, other places for sale over there. And uh, I think will ultimately be a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. for us to have all that. And what I love about this is it just shows you that something can be so daunting when it's just you or just you and a couple people. But with the right collaboration, you can really make a change. And it can be so much better than what you had well for me it was you know following taylor's vision became very easy because i was all about i i then bought into the vision that this this can be such a model for the world to learn from which Mm -hmm. i think was what the national restaurant association was trying to say in the first place Mm -hmm. plus my team um, was uh, at one of my facilities was already volunteering to work at Food on the Move. So they yeah. were already very familiar with the work that you all did, which was another weird thing. It was amazing. It? Well, at, Lots of, that was their adopted charity. So all of our facilities get to adopt their own charity. And they had adopted Food on the Move way before wow. we that ever came out there. That was a beautiful, yeah, symbiotic it? thing. When I remember we were planning to meet and you'd mentioned to some of your staff we're going to meet and you heard from the team, oh yeah, Food on the Move, we go to those Events. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's amazing is really, Paula, again, we're talking about movers and shakers and this whole thing and trendsetters. You really did set a trend because you brought me as a Bama team member and said, okay, now go make this happen. Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you bring in Rusty Row as well. Yep. Go make this happen. And then you have another nonprofit you're doing the same for. Yep. And so you're really, you're really setting a model. And I've actually had other organizations say, hey, this is really cool. Why don't other businesses do that? I said, I don't know, but this is amazing because you're like, I believe in this. Yes. And you're really setting a trend that people could adopt to say, hey, if you really want to make a difference in your city, let's step into the nonprofit world and empower people. And right. the empowerment that you've given us and the education has been transformational. So, you know, what, what's it, the driving force behind you to say, hey, I, I want to do this for these these organizations? Well, I again, I think what I realize is a lot of people are in the same, they're in the same boat that Taylor and I are. We, we've got you know, I may have a lot more resources, not a lot, but I have more resources money-wise or financial mm-hmm. than, sure, sure. than you. You're a starving musician, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I think what what people knew was your name, but they didn't necessarily know who you were and how you were. And I got the the beauty of seeing you for a couple of years of saying, okay, this, this intense passion that Taylor mm-hmm. has— now I've got it, and now I want to put it in the community, and now this is how we can do You know, you brought the solution, which was Kevin's running a, an organization called New Lift, which we didn't want to hurt or harm them in course, any way. Yeah. We never thought about that, but we also knew he had a passion for food home and making this dream come to reality because even though he was working full-time he was always at all of our meetings Mm -hmm. you know and he was showing his effort and his volunteerism 
to come to every meeting that we had, even when it was still conceptual, not even knowing how it was all going to come out. And I think between all of that energy, we realized that Kevin was the right person to do that. And I I was never, ever was I ever going to say no to that because I knew yeah. we needed that to get the project off the ground. Because you, you, you always have to have a project director, a project mm-hmm. executor, you know, execution artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and not team, in a mean way, but, you yeah. know, someone to put the plan well, that you have in your head and that I may have that's living here onto paper and actually go and start doing it. If you're in the Tulsa area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our monthly community food and resource festivals. Each month, we host a party with a food truck and a DJ and plenty of fun activities and resources from our community partners. Each person also receives a bag of fresh, local produce. Guests are invited to pay as they can, allowing anyone to support Food on the Move to enjoy these events. While ensuring families in need of assistance have access to fresh produce, hot meals, and community resources. Our monthly events are held at Chamberlain Park, Greenwood Cultural Center, and the Tulsa Community College Northeast Campus. Get all of your details at www.foodonthemoveok.com. I want to just quickly talk about what Food Home is trying to do because it also connects back to your perspective as a food business. You understand why this is so important. Right. So, and also... I want Kevin to try and say a few words about his perspective on it because um, he he chose to jump in and and help construct you know the yep. team to ultimately make it happen. Food Home is saying basically that you know the community grocery store and the community farm really don't have a place anymore. Gone by. And what's happened is that means the good stuff is actually more expensive because we're paying to ship it across the country and you know the the greens the tomatoes. And I'm really honestly inspired by a lot of the companies like Walmart and the corporations that have built um, amazing businesses. But along the way, some things have fallen through the cracks, which is neighborhoods, communities, and grocery stores, which are the heartbeat. And so the food home proposed an idea, which was we need a new idea of a grocery store, which is fueled by a connection to the community, local you know, entrepreneurs that are invested. We need to actually grow more stuff close by. Mm-hmm. And there's new practices like aquaponics, hydroponics, year-round growing you can do in urban areas. And we need a distribution hub to connect the growers so we have the third-generation farmers and we have the future farmers all working together. Mm-hmm. And so that idea, I remember when Kevin and I met, I sort of put a little bug in his ear about this 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 concept that I felt that was coming and he responded with something that really blew me away which was I get it how can I help you know I get it how can I help mm-hmm. and you know some people are sitting there with like I don't have any you know I don't have the money or I don't have the time or whatever well how can I help mm-hmm. is a very simple but powerful statement mm-hmm. and to then jump in I'm just curious what was going through your mind when when you first heard Okay, this is where the thing this thing is going. What made you go? Yeah, I'll come. I'll show up. You know. Okay, Taylor. Like, what's what are you smoking? You know, because um, we that developed that organically developed. Right. Know, it, it, it did. And and honestly, the whole idea of, of of serving people. I mean, I've I've done that really my entire life um, around the globe, and I've always come back to that one constant that food is that one thing that connects people. Yeah. And that's one of the first things that you said to me that you started Field Move because, you know, food is a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And I've always known that that's, that's the starting point to begin to just help people in any situation to, you know, hey, 
what do we need? Okay, we can do that. You can begin to find out what they are all about. And when you begin to unveil this project, I was like, this is amazing. This connects all the points right. that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was in the middle of a journey of my own, in my own life, finding, okay, so what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I think those worlds just all collided because it, it hit a passion of mine and something that I knew that was really important. And I could put those together and, and it embraced where I came from. And at that point, there wasn't anything more than me volunteering, and I wanted to be a part of that, and yeah. and I loved it, and that's when I brought my kids out to it, and yeah. and let them volunteer with me, and and let them be exposed to see things because I think it's important for for everybody to when you're training up your children to to let them go out and, and see, see what it's like to make hand. a difference, see what it's yeah. like that what other people live like. I'll never forget driving home from the first food in the move event. My youngest, and she was probably nine. She's like, Daddy, I really learned something today. I go, What's that? She said. You know, I say I'm hungry and I go and I open the pantry and like there's all the stuff to choose from and it just doesn't sound good. She goes, the people we serve today, that's what they get. They don't have that option. Mm-hmm. And at nine right. years old, that clicked with her and I thought, we're, wow. we're, we're going down the right direction. And that's really what, what sucked in with me. And from then on, I, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I love that. I haven't heard you say that specifically. That's awesome. Danielle, I was thinking about each of us telling our story and you becoming kind of an entrepreneur for the first time and you know, thinking about your family story. And a lot of what we're talking about, um, when I think about entrepreneurship, you know, it's, it's really taking ownership. It's becoming, it's building something. And the thing I, you know, I love about, you know, growing things literally, when you plant a seed, I mean, uh, t- Kevin sent me home with a tomato yesterday that had been grown on our <laughs> aquaponics system. It, love I was it. like, yes, this is, I'm going to, and it's delicious, it was delicious, by the way. Um, but what we're talking about with, with building a garden, there's so many metaphors to mm-hmm. that, right? Plant something. It's actually going to grow. And, and in our, you know, society, all of us, we're, we've moved so fast that we've started to skip over some of the most basic things, like what you put in your body. And, and it's also really easy to get on your high horse when somebody's struggling or somebody, you know, whether they end up in crime or they end up in difficulties to go, well, you know, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But in fact, like all of us, as if it's your city, if it's your neighborhood, it's that stepping back and saying like, where's the break in the fact that all these things that you take for granted, you know, aren't there in right. that neighborhood. You know, I, I remember, um, I connect this to food. I grew up with books around mm-hmm. just because my parents liked to read. Mm-hmm. And so I had classics on the wall and I, I had books right next to me. And I love to read. I've always loved to read. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a hunger for knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I grew up with people that had books on the wall. Kids, there's so many that never have a classic book on their wall, let alone many. And it's the same with food, right? We have this phrase, you know, a neighborhood without a grocery store is like a house without a kitchen. Mm -hmm. It's not a home. Mm -hmm. You can't really live there. It's like, it's, it's missing this essential thing. And so I feel like, you know, that great equalizer, Kevin, you were talking about, um, it's any of those things that get us back to realizing that we all, you know, regardless of your income level, the thing that you can give is your time right. and your talent. And and sometimes like that, there couldn't be anything more important than just getting in there and planting a garden. Right. When you talk about the process of a, the seed, it's like thinking about that elementary student planting a seed in that aquaponics lab mm-hmm. or in that hydroponics lab for the very first time. And that's more than just a tomato plant or cilantro that's going to so come out of there. More. That's an experience that they're going to remember that now changes, okay, I mean, I thought I maybe wanted to 
do this when I grew up or didn't really have the, mm-hmm. the idea or the you know trajectory for myself of what I'm going to do. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, I can study more about yeah. aquaponics and hydroponics. Maybe I can study more about gardening. Maybe now I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to sell or I want to learn how to market these things to, to other classrooms. There's just so much that mm-hmm. opens up from mm-hmm. them just planting that one seed in the hydroponic system. Yep. I know. I'll never forget the time I had a garden at my house. I And I have always had a garden until, you know, the last few years when I was traveling so much and couldn't take care of it. And I was having to hire other people to come in and take care of it. But just the joy of seeing something, you know, like that's a real tomato. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't go down to, you know, to, to Reese's and buy that in a big box or a bag or anything. That's a squash. I I grew my own watermelon. Like I had a watermelon (laughs) in my yard, you know, I didn't have to go to Reese's and buy it. And so, you know, the fact that it tastes the same and it's probably better to your point, Taylor, and I got to get my kids involved and I got to give them, you know, a earthly perspective Mm -hmm. of what the human race was put here to do. And that was working in tandem with the earth and not against it. Mm And and it's given them a different perspective. You know, yeah. my son Jacob, he's involved with uh, food, food on the move and food mm-hmm. home on the board. And he loves it. I mean, he gets it, you know, because he's always been around someone gardening. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that we could add economics to it as well with the different programs that we have within the school to show a child that you can literally make this plant make a dollar, you know, and yes. to be able to change the trajectory of your family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about it. It's not just a seed that goes into the ground and we just watch it, you know, become this, you know, beautiful vegetable. But it's something that can help to change the trajectory of a family altogether. So I I love that, you know, Food on the Move is not just only just a program where we just, you know, it's all about just hugs and kisses, which is great, you know. (laughs) That's great, great, yeah. You know, we can make change in the community itself to be able to affect the different challenges that we have. And it takes dollars to do that, you know. And so the fact that we built relationships, real economic relationships with businesses that can really change in the community, that's something in business that we can take to any country. Right. And and Larry, the mission statement you made for Bama years ago is just out the door now. Mm -hmm. And you're helping other people in the community become successful. And that's got to make you feel good to know that it's gone beyond those walls. Well, I love getting the updates from you, Kevin. I love, you know, the fact that Taylor and I are on speed dial, but we don't talk as much now because <laughs> it's happening through no us. And not, you know, <laughs> and not, Paul, I need you at a breakfast next week. Or, oh, Taylor, I got to get you on the phone call with the Chapman Foundation. You know, you guys are now running with the ball. And that's what I love to see is that you guys have got it and you're going. And we can see it now. Oh, yeah. We can see it now. And a lot of other parts of the community that have given us funds Mm -hmm. can see it. You know, the ARPA, uh, you know, all of the other funds that we've gotten, even though we've been in the quiet phase, we've raised an awful lot of money. And um, because I think people are starting to see it, we can Mm -hmm. bring them out to the Mm -hmm. land. We can show them. We can give them a vegetable. We can Mm -hmm. talk to them now with real purpose Mm -hmm. and real meat behind what we're saying because we've got, you know, a structure there. Yeah. I think I think too, and um, we want to pivot towards just talking about the culture of being a mover and a shaker. But I want to just point to that one of the, what you're describing is we we've taken pride in being really different. Mm-hmm. Um, we I really am super proud um, of how long we 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 built with just volunteer hours mm-hmm. because. 
the whole idea was, can we be a movement? Can mm-hmm. this be about the mission more than any other thing? And some, you know, some traditional supporters, for instance, early on in us beginning to build the capital campaign for the food home, actually, they looked at that negatively, said, well, you haven't done X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, we've done these things on purpose. We right. purposely held off on having a bunch of overhead. We've held off on having a bunch of employees in these areas because we wanted to get this and this and this. And so I think maybe the takeaway is, you know, when you're different, it's not just it's not just the positive side. Mm-hmm. You, it, what comes with it is it. You have to bring people along. You, right. you have to move people's perceptions. Right. You as a as a female, you know, CEO. You as a, a a company that expanded, you know, very very widely over your leadership. I mean, all the challenges that came up. Us trying to actually ask questions. They're like, well, why is the food system this way? Mm-hmm. You know, can we make it different? It it's not just. Uh, you know, the kind of, here's this great, exciting, you know, change idea. Change means pain and struggle, and it means getting through it. And then hopefully you get to that point where you get to look around the room and go, wow, Mm -hmm. here we are. That's right. That's right. It's true. Change does mean pain sometimes, (laughs) Taylor. (laughs) So in, in that vein, what does the term movers and shaker mean to you? Oh, my goodness. Well, being a language person, you know, the root is always Latin, you know, for these things. And I think the, you know, the bottom line for me is shaking things up, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a disruption, you know, it's it's going to be moving from place A to B. So there's there's energy being spent. And, and it's that movement of that, you know, object through gravity is causing the, the the space to be disrupted, and so the, the 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 fact that you know we have and we are and we will continue into the future disrupting the food space is is and and to me also the learning space and how people will rethink uh, just sitting in front of a screen and not actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, the future of actually movement of the whole human society, you know, to become more sedentary is not a good thing. Yeah, we got to get out and move. We got to get out. <laughs> we got to get out of that. And to have a place to go, whether it's in my shared community yard of my nursing home or my school, or I drive to Food on the Move or Food Home and I help there. It's it's actually all about movement and growing and not letting and allowing yourself to become sedentary and using the skills and the and the equipment that God gave you uh, in your brain uh, to to advance the human society. So I think we have you know we are on a plateau with you, Taylor. That um, is a big big deal to mm-hmm. help people um, get out of being so immobile. And, and the immobility, I think, is what's going to get us if we don't mm-hmm. start start getting out. And, you know, I mean, it's it's fresh air. It's all the old things that Grandma yeah. used to say. Yeah. But, I mean, it is true. It's yeah, well, fresh air, sunshine, and and doing something for yourself, you know, rather than waiting for the information mm-hmm. to be to, transported Perfect. to you. Yeah. So being a mover and shaker, you know, it literally movement. Yeah, movement. As well as what you said, being you know, shaking things up means means to to kind of challenge um, what people are doing. I really think that you were transformational in in Bama companies. You you did things that probably no one ever thought would happen or could happen. Even especially being a, a female owned business mm-hmm. and, and before that was cool and popular, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and and you had all these obstacles that you're like you're knocking out of the park. Um, 
so having such a great successful organization and, and we have, you know, team members listening, what's something you would tell the team members right now? Just just giving them a shout out. Feel free to say something to them real quick. Well, first of all, I love all my team members. So that that goes without saying. And I know a lot of people are in a lot of pain these days. Um, we hear it. We see it. We've got counselors at Bama. They're busy, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. Uh, we've got lawyers, people going for free legal counseling because there's lots of issues, lots of problems. And so, you know, I would say maybe the maybe the reach to health and happiness is not as far as you think. Maybe mm-hmm. the reach is just to pick up the phone and call Kevin and call and let's get it, get you out there and get you volunteering. And because a lot of times what I've found in my life, when I start volunteering and I see what some other people are going through, I realize my problems are pretty pitiful. Right. We talked about and that. And I'm, I'm being like a little you know, pouty person thinking, <laughs> wow, 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 why, you know, why is this? And then I realize, oh my gosh, this, this person just, you know, had a kidney failure and yeah. this person had, you know, has some real serious financial problems and this person's dealing with their kids are addicted. And so there's never a shortage of problems, mm-hmm. but the, the shortages in my mind are the pathways we try to put people on to get them healthy. There's a shortage of answers for that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's not just always go back to school or go get a job and work, you know, flipping burgers or whatever. It's, it's, this is, this is, this is healing. Mm -hmm. You know, this is healing work that we're doing. And that's why I love it so much. And you just Mm. said just one more thing about, I think your innovation and the way you take care of your team members Mm -hmm. and you offer holistically successful things to move mm-hmm. that forward. So, uh, I mean, Bama Company is such a great company and we want people to definitely check them out. And they, people, I'm sure all across America have had contact with Bama. They just don't always know it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, because 20 million of all the, servings 20 a day, million, but, Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, where, where can people go to find out about Bama? Well, obviously our website is Bama.com and, uh, you know, we're there we have links to all the stuff. We have links to Food on the Move and uh, volunteering opportunities. Uh, you know, we have a video that, that goes through the history of our company that my lovely daughter made uh, about seven years ago for us. And uh, she's the wife of Rusty, mm-hmm. who's a mm-hmm. big time food on the move and loves it and wouldn't be doing anything else but, but working with you, Kevin. And, um, you know, I would just say, uh, you know, we're here. We're here for you. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. So thanks for listening to the Movers and Shakers podcast. Such an awesome guest. So incredible just listening to her and her willingness to learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, she really is an example for so many people, both men and women everywhere to say, hey, you can accomplish great things and your life might not go exactly like you want. But if you're willing to pivot and learn, you can do incredible things. I will say as a female entrepreneur, I was inspired because Mm -hmm. there's so many movements that we've had over the last decades that really inspire women and empower them. But she was doing this before, you know, Spice Girls. (laughs) 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 Beyonce is who runs the world. She was doing this, you know, and like she said, blind fear. And I I appreciated that that candor of this was scary. I was doing it afraid, but I did it. You know, I made some mistakes. There were some dark times, but still I did it. Absolutely. She does it with such grace. Truly a mover and shaker and really making a difference. And speaking of making a difference, man, we're so excited again. We we talked about our Food Home Project coming up, and we released that. Be sure and go on our website to check it out. Uh, But also, hey, 
be a mover and shaker with that. We have a really awesome campaign called Bringing Food Home for the Holidays. And you can be a part of making this amazing campus come true and serving hundreds of thousands of people with fresh produce and giving job training and helping other people become movers and shakers. Wherever you are, you can find out about Food on the Move, foodonthemoveok.com or on our social media platforms, Food on the Move OK. And we hope you guys will join us at events um, or like Kevin said, jump in there and give whatever you can to this new project that's going to come out of the ground soon. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to our podcast. Once again, to all of our movers and shakers, keep moving. <laughs>